Real Men Feel with Andy Grant encourages men to allow and express all of their emotions. Despite what you may have been told, all emotions do serve you. Real Men Feel is committed to engaging in discussions that most men aren't having, but all men can benefit from. All links mentioned in each episode are in the show notes found on the blog at realmenfeel.org. Now let's get to it. Hello and welcome to another edition of Real Men Feel. This is your host, Andy Grant. I'm an author, coach, and proponent of men and emotions. And if you would like a one-on-one conversation with me, not a podcast, but an actual conversation to help you get clear on what you want in life and what's in your way of getting there, please visit theandygrant.com slash talk and book a no-obligation, no-cost appointment with me. You know, I had planned to be away for a three-week break before kicking off this season seven of Real Men Feel, but there's just so much going on in the world, I I really couldn't stay away. So we are back one week earlier than I had planned. Uh, There's just so much happening, and so many of the things that are happening in the world are, are bringing up the fears, the concerns, the anxieties that can lead to men feeling depressed and suicidal. And I've been a guest on a number of podcasts in the last few weeks talking about my experiences. And, you know, that's what we're going to talk about today. And I had a coach years ago call me the king of authenticity. And I'm, I'm trying to reclaim that and, and own that. And I'm really excited to, to have that come up today because my guest today is often called Mr. Optimistic. So if we, king of authenticity and Mr. Optimistic, can experience depression and suicidal thoughts, well, then anyone can, even you. And if we can move through them, and truly love life again, well, guess what? So can you. So I'm thrilled to welcome husband, father, entrepreneur, speaker, mindset coach, coach, poet, and much more, Mr. Lawrence Washington Jr. to the show. How's it going, man? Thank you so much for having me, Andy. I appreciate you, man. (laughs) Yeah, we had connected... Again, it feels like so long ago, but it really, you know, in, in COVID time, it's years, yeah. but it was really, I think it was just last month and doing some Facebook lives with Dr. Lulu talking about race in America. And, yes. and that's how we had connected. And I know you've been speaking a lot and continue. You've, I know you've been on, on things with her and stuff. So um, how, how's life feeling for you t- today? How, how are you doing with, with, with uh, the pandemic, with uh, the social unrest? Like, how, how are you doing right now? I'm actually doing good. You know, um, the reason why I say that is because my children are, are safe and they are healthy. My wife is safe, healthy, and happy. So for that reason, I'm doing good. And, and I'm also, you know, unlike emotionally, man, the, the emotions are still there. Um, 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 because I'm, uh, uh, just because I'm doing good, I'm still, you know, my heart still goes out to to other people that are not. So uh, right now I am, I'm, I'm happy, I'm grateful, I'm, I'm still frustrated. Um, just like I said, you know, like a month ago when we talked, still frustrated, still, you know, sad, grieving at times. And, but I'm all of the above and I'm totally okay with that. So, yeah. Have have you always been kind of a, an optimistic, grateful person? Has always has that always been your personality? Not not always. Uh, uh, what happened was uh, I gave my life to Christ in college. Man, my sophomore year in college, I, I gave my life to Christ, and my very first prayer that I prayed to God once I. Uh, I began to study God's word and just learn more about, you know, uh, 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 I learned about God and about, you know, salvation. I began to become so grateful because before then I was more selfish, Mm -hmm. you know, but uh, from that gratitude that just grew, I prayed to God and just asked God, no matter what happens in my life, I want you to continue to keep me grateful. So I think that's like part of the reason because now I can find anything in my life right now to, to, to just be grateful for it. Uh, so that's just been my, yeah. So in, since, in, since until, 19. until that point, were you, were you raised with any sort of religion or just, it just hadn't connected with you until that point? What, what was that like? 
I was born and raised raised in the church. You know, a Pentecostal faith. Both my parents, you know, saved, saved strong, believing parents. I I just used to always sleep in church. <laughs> I didn't really pay attention. <laughs> I didn't really connect. I just I just had the attitude that as long as my parents are strong believers and they are praying for me, I'm good. No matter what I do, I'm I'm safe because both of my parents are praying for me. <laughs> so that was the attitude that I had, man. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. So, so what, what changed in your sophomore year to, to kind of wake you oh. up that more had to happen? All right. Uh, what happened was there was uh, a young lady. She was the president of the prayer group on campus. And she reached out to me. And uh, she, uh, she didn't really know me. But she kept reaching out to me. She kept asking me if we could sit down and talk. So I kept dodging her and I kept dodging her. And by this time, I'm, you know, just just finished my freshman year in, 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 in uh, college. My only dream my freshman year in, or my only goal my freshman year in college was to, cre- was to create memories. I wish I didn't have that mindset, you know, then. I wish I had the mindset I had now back then of course but she reached out to me and then she finally got me to sit down and talk with her and here's exactly what happened man no lie she pulled out a piece of paper it was a letter she said she never had done this before but this was a letter from god and she said she was praying one morning at six, at six o'clock in the morning on October 2nd, which is my birthday. She said she was praying and she said, God told her to write me a letter. Cause I'm a poet. A lot of times God speaks to me through letter. Right? So she read the letter to me and it was as if she knew me. It, it was as if we grew up together. The things that she said inside of that letter but the the part that really like grabbed me uh to the point where where I just could not deny it you know the uh, calling that God had over my life was at the end of the letter it said word for word it said right now your heart is racing and your stomach is on fire and God said that is me and then when she said that that's exactly what was going on my heart was racing, my stomach was on fire. And then from that day on, I never turned back. I totally just uh, surrendered my life to Christ. I went from being pretty well known on campus to being a, a ghost because my entire routine changed, you know, my my attitude changed. And all I did was I woke up, I went to class, left class, and I went to, to the library. And I would lock myself in a small study room for hours, just reading and studying God's word and falling asleep. And I, and I read the King James Version at that. So I had no clue how to understand the King James Version. So I was so determined that I just kept reading and reading. And I prayed and I told God, I'm not going to stop reading the Bible until you help me understand it. So, so that's exactly what happened. And uh, from that, that day on, uh, my relationship with Christ grew and my life has never been the same since. Hmm. That's, that, that, it's amazing to me. So it, it wasn't, you know, situations and circumstances causing you to seek out anything like God sought you. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And so I, I know that late, later in life, when your, your, your mom got sick, from us talking earlier, your mom got sick, six, your mom got sick and, yeah. and passed away, and things really got dark for you at that time. Yeah. So tell me yeah. a little bit about that. So my mother, she, she was, she had pulmonary lung disease. And uh, when I was in the grade school, this was over 20 years ago. Um, the doctors gave gave my mother three days to live because 
she was diagnosed with uh, lupus at the time, right? And um, the reason why they gave her three days to live was because my mom, she was, like I said before, she, she was a strong believer. She believed, she believed God could heal her from anything as long as she did what she knew to do, right? So at the time, uh, when the doctors gave her three days to live, it was because she decided not to take any of the medication. And she decided to go all the way, just natural, you know, healing. And she, uh, she started eating right. She started juicing. And, you know, she, she hired a, a health coach at the time that just really helped her overcome that. Um, um, then, uh, then I told my mom, you know, in the sixth grade, I told my mom, don't worry. Because you're going to live you're going to live to see my children one day. And that's what I told her. And fast forward, my mom gets sick again, and now her lungs are just decreasing. In uh, 2017, uh, my mom was on the oxygen tank, and the level of the oxygen tank was turned all the way up to the max. That's how bad it had gotten. But I'm Mr. Optimistic. I am thinking about, well, if God did it before, he's going to do it again. So I never entertained any thoughts of me losing my mother. Even when she tried to have conversations with, with me to try to prepare me for what might happen, I would cut her off and I would say, no, uh, we're not talking like that. You know, it's faith, 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 faith. I'm Mr. Optimistic. You know, I was preaching at the time, so I would preach messages, telling the whole church to declare, you know, that my mother should live. I went on Facebook. I I I, I started a hashtag, you know, my mommy shall live, just believing and trusting that God will heal my mother the way that I wanted him to heal her. Even when he gave me different dreams to try to, to try to prepare me for it. I still would not entertain that. I wouldn't allow myself to cry. I, I wouldn't allow myself to even come face to face with the reality of my, my, my mother being sick as she was. Like, like I, I call it just like, just like refusing to, to see, you know, what was actually there. Mm-hmm. So to, 2017, I moved to Arizona, packed up, packed up and moved, and, you know, uh, came here, six children, me and my wife, we started over, and I, and I was just so determined to, you know, uh, begin to create a life for my family and to, to just, just be successful, you know, uh, so my children can be successful, and, and so that I could create a life to fly my mother out here so that we can celebrate. The whole plan was, was for us to celebrate December 2017. So November 17th, 2017, my mom passed away. I was at work, got the phone call. My dad called me and Instantly, it was like a dark cloud instantly just took over. And it was like my the scales fell off of my eyes. The scales that, that I believe that I put up there, you know, to not face the reality of, of how sick she was. And those fell off, and I just became, instantly I became, angry, you know, with God, like, how could you not heal her the way that I wanted you to heal her when I trusted you 100%? So the anger was there. The confusion was there. Like, like, why, why did my mom have a, a lung disease or any issues with her lungs when she never smoked a day in her life. 
I was confused about that. Like, why did she have to suffer for something that that she had no parts with? You know, like she had no, she didn't do anything to deserve this. You know, that was going on. And then me dealing with the thoughts of, of just leaving her at the time that I left. You know, some guilt there. And um, um, then there was another thought that, that hit me really hard, which was, you deserve to live the rest of your life unhappy. You don't deserve to be happy. And um, that's when the uh, suicidal thoughts thoughts came in as far as just giving up on life. Like I had no, no care for myself at all. And, you know, because I told myself that there's no way that I can function like this. There's no way that I can be a father to my children like this. Like, I am no good, you know. And these were stories that I entertained. I am no good, so why even be here? You know, I can't be a husband like this. You know, because at the time, I was experiencing physical pain, stomach, heart racing, and just the physical pain from just not having my mother was just so real, and I was shaking. And, um, yeah, so, um, so that just put me into a dark place. And uh, uh, not to mention that one week before my mom passed away, she actually got, you know, uh, my mom was on a list for a lung transplant. So one week before she passed away, my mom got the news that they found a lung for her. They found lungs for my mom. Um, you know, uh, so when we got the news, we all celebrated a week before, right? We all celebrated. We got so, man, we were so happy. And um, this is on like, uh, on like another part of the anger um, that I was dealing with, you know, from like, why would God allow us to experience that much, you know, joy and excitement just to let us down one week later. Uh, so what happened was right, be right before they put my mom to sleep for the surgery, they found out that the lung was no good. And, you know, uh, the person who, you know, whose lungs, lungs it was, he smoked. Uh, he was a smoker, so it was no good. And, but by that time, they had drained, like, every ounce of strength that my mom had to prepare her for the surgery. And... Uh, when she got the news, she never bounced back. Uh, so my mom did not die from, you know, lung failure. She actually died from from a heart attack. So just knowing that, you know, knowing that, and just oh, and just not being able to to shake, you know, just knowing all that my mom had to go through and, and then, you know, the anger with God. So that just put me, that just put me into a, a very, very dark place, man. Mm -hmm. So on, on top of losing your mom and going through that, that mourning and grieving, it really, you lost your faith. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Prior to this, had you had depressive or suicidal thoughts at, at any point in your life until this point? Uh, I never had suicidal thoughts. No, no. I worked with the average youth, man, uh, for about 15 years. I worked with youth who have experienced trauma, you know, and they were ne neglected or abused. And, and a lot of the youth that I worked with, they were suicidal. So I've, I've served you know, others who dealt with it and I became really good at it. Not, um, you know, um, but I never experienced it. Now depression, I believe that I, that I experienced a form of depression when I moved to Flint, Michigan 
from the south side of Chicago my last year in high school, you know, because I had a basketball career that was growing in the south side of Chicago, in the suburbs, uh, that, um, that I moved to Flint, Michigan my last year, which meant I had to reprove myself and I didn't make the basketball team, you know, because the team was already established. Um, so I fell into a depression uh, because of that, you know, then I, I became homesick. Um, but that's when I started writing poetry from that time. So is that, is that creative expression? Is that kind of one of the things that helped you turn things around in high school? Oh, big time. Yeah. That, that helped me a lot. Cause I always had a desire to like motivate people to make people feel good. Right. Um, um, but also had a very bad speak speech impediment problem. Like I really stuttered really bad. I started so bad, like it it was hard for me to to like answer the phone, you know. But I always had this desire to motivate people. So poetry helped me overcome that. Hmm. You know, like the more I did spoken word poetry, I was able to uplift people. I was able to, you know, put a smile on somebody else's face through my words. And um and because I didn't have too much confidence and just you know, having, you know, just straight conversations like these, I would just lean and depend on on, on my ability to just write poetry. Because uh, I noticed that when I did poetry, I never stuttered. So I just stuck with that. <laughs> huh. Interesting. Interesting. Cool. So what helped you turn things around after losing your mom? <sighs> First thing is, first is, you know, it was God. It was the grace of God, no doubt. You know, I I said I lost my faith, right? But I didn't completely lose it. You know, because I really believed, you know, God's words to be true. I really believed that my mother was in a better place. I just didn't want her to be in that place. Right. I wanted her to be with me. And I understood that. And I, and um, here's the thing, like as angry as I was, God actually reminded me of a situation back when I was young to, to cause me to make the decision of being angry with him. I'd rather be angry and confused and frustrated with God than without him. So I was not willing to turn my back on him as far as just, you know, doing whatever and, you know, turning to, to the bottle or uh, whatever it is, you know. But the story that he gave me was, uh, he said, remember uh, when you were younger? All right, cool. Um, uh, uh, so I thought about this story how my dad would would take us uh, we would leave church and he would oftentimes take us to Arnie's Pizza it's his pizza place great pizza right but this one Sunday evening we were leaving church and I, re- and I was I was salivating for, and I was craving some Arnie's Pizza and I asked my dad I said daddy can you stop at Arnie's Pizza? My dad never said anything. So my dad had a way of teaching us through example. Like, and, you know, but at this moment, he wanted to teach us how to deal with letdowns. You know, teach us to deal with no or no response <laughs> at all. So my dad never responded when I asked him to stop at Arnie's Pizza. Next thing I know, I'm sitting in the back seat and Arnie's Pizza is is slowly approaching, and my dad he continues to drive right past Arnie's Pizza, and I'm young, so I'm angry mm-hmm. at my father. I'm I'm just livid, right? I'm looking at the back of his head like, ooh, you ooh. But the thing is, as as angry as I was, 
as confused as I was because he didn't say nothing back. Right. He just kept driving. I never left the car. I stayed obedient. Uh, uh, when he told me to get out the car, to go in the house, I got out the car and I went in the house, angry and all. So that story right there caused me to make that same decision with God. And I told God, I'm, I'm, I'm angry. I, I, I'm having a hard time trusting you right now. And I was just open and, and, and authentic with him. And I told him that I'm, I'm angry, but I'm not going to leave you. Uh, so that began the process. And what that looked like was whenever he told me to do certain things, like, you know, he would tell me to go to cert- certain scriptures. And I went to certain scriptures that really gave me comfort. And, and I actually believed those, those scriptures. So my faith is a part of the reason because a lot of people, um, when they ask me, like, uh, how do you still believe in God when he didn't even heal your mother? Well, one, I know he still healed her. He just didn't heal her the way that I wanted her to him, him, him to heal her. And secondly, I just choose to believe the words that I've read and studied and I preached for so long. Well, not for so long. I'm not, you know, I'm not that old, but but I preached for the few years that I preached, right? I preached and I studied and I and I taught Bible you know, study and Sunday school. I just, I really believed the scriptures. Uh, So that was part of it. And then the second thing is personal development. I believe that through prayer, God allowed me to to go through a journey of of just self-discovery, of just discovering things about myself that I never knew about. Personal development, I I like to tell people, to 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 spark a conversation and to share my story is is that personal development saved my life and God used personal development to save my life. So again, until this dark period of losing your mom and and not turning away from God, but certainly being angry, mourning, mourning what what had happened. Until that point, you weren't on any sort of seeking quest or development kick or anything like that this all came after this is that is that right actually the personal uh development came right before my mom passed away because uh-huh. what happened was check this out two weeks prior november 3rd 4th and 5th and 7th i i was led to go on a personal development journey um uh, so I signed up for this personal development program. It's called the Landmark Forum. So that was three and a half days of me uh, pretty much like looking at myself in the mirror and just discovering things about myself that I never knew about. And it was one distinction that I learned on day one, which was called the vicious circle. And what they said was life, life consists of three parts. The first part is something happens in life. Then the second part is there's a story that we create based off of what happens. And then the third part is there's a character that we end up being inside of the story that we created, which has nothing to do with what happened. So when they shared that and I learned that, and then they asked a question to the audience and it sounded like they was talking to me and they asked what happened. And that, and, and, and at that moment, that that's when I was able to really think about my childhood and about how I became the person that I was for 30 years. And how I thought that the person that I was for 30 years was just, just because I'm just like my dad or just because, you know, this happened or just because that happened. And then I realized that at that in the first grade, my godmother passed away. And then when she passed away, I I can remember vividly standing in front of her funeral at the front entrance, saying to myself as a first grader that I would never get too close to anybody else again. And then at the age of 30 is is when I understood 
and discovered that at that moment in the first grade, I, I created a story around being vulnerable. I said that being vulnerable means that something bad is going to happen because I was vulnerable when my godmother passed away. So fast forward, every relationship that I've been in has, has always been people would get close to me, but I would not get, get too close to people. People will open up to me all the time, but I would not open up to people. I, I refuse to be vulnerable because of that story. And which, which uh, leads me to this point of, of me refuse, refusing to be vulnerable. It, it caused me to only be vulnerable with my mother. Because I figured that, you know, that's the only person I need to be vulnerable with. Which is why the letdown was so was so deep for me. You know, she was my, she was it. You know, she was all I needed. So, yeah. But me discovering that for myself, it caused me to be totally aware of the stories that began to flood my mind at her death. And and if I was never aware of, of you know, the, the thoughts and how I could live in, side of those thoughts I probably would have lived inside of the guilt for way 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 too long mm. Mm. so even though you experienced those thoughts that uh, of I'm no good and I can't continue this like I can't be a father I can't be a husband a stronger part of you was a, awakened and aware that those were just stories it's just stories because I because I knew it wasn't me but before then, I would have thought that that was, you know, yeah. me. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. But the, I was aware. I, even in the, just the last year, my own experiences of, of depressive and suicidal thoughts coming back and, you know, something clicked in me finally. And it was, you know, just because I think it doesn't mean it's me. And I'm like, oh, and yeah, it's like every thought in your head is not you. And certainly every thought in your head is not supporting and serving you. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah. So when, once I think we all grasp that at different points. So once you realize, Oh, just, you know, just cause I'm thinking it doesn't mean I have to act on it. doesn't mean it's true. That doesn't mean anything unless I decide to give meaning to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that reminds me of uh, when I worked at a children's center one time as a behavior coach slash youth specialist. Right. And I was work, uh, working with the uh, teenage uh, boy at the time. And he, you know, he would always hear voices, right? And, um, but I said something to him that made him really, like, take a step back. And, like, he, uh, uh, he had that same moment that you just shared. And what I said to him was, I hear voices, too. There's nothing wrong with you. And I told him, I just choose not to listen to him. And then when he had that moment, you know, you know, for himself, he was like, so, oh, because I told him, uh, just like you, uh, cho you choose not to listen to me when I tell you to clean your room. You can choose not to listen to that voice when he tells you to punch me in my face. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But it's so true. Like just, just knowing the, the power that we have as human beings, you know, are just who we are as human beings. Like the power to choose was, was something that just really helped me big time. Yeah. And that's why it's so, I find it is so important to talk about depressive and, and suicidal thoughts because they're so common. They, they just really are. And, and it is just a thought and you can have the thought that, Having a fleeting thought, or even not a fleeting thought, that you're not good enough, that you're better off dead, that your family would be better off if you were gone. Sometimes that's just, it shows that your, your mind is working perfectly. Like that's, that's sometimes the most logical response to a, a horrible situation, right? Yeah. To, to the confusion. If that, that's, the only, that's your best thought at the time. Yeah. But what, what's, what's different, the important line to me, the important thing I want to differentiate is thinking it is fine. You're not crazy. You can let people know you're going to be okay. 
it's acting on it that that's the big leap so exactly. people have that thought it's you're a human being you're, you're gonna think that at some point in your life probably um and especially now with, with so much uncertainty with so much fear with so much worry um there's there's a rise in in mental health challenges and why I wanted to talk to you today, why I, I, I love that you're Mr. Optimistic and you, you authentically share even when you aren't optimistic, right? Because, yeah. you know, we're going to have bad, troubling thoughts during bad, troubling times. Yeah. But you don't have to act on it. Exactly. You, can, you can choose something else. You can choose a different thought. You can choose to focus on something you learned, something you said, some, you know, a story from your childhood or somebody that you helped out. But yeah. that's the important thing of, of what you choose to do with those thoughts that, you know, don't, and they don't feel good because they're not good. Right. You know? So, you know, when I realized that I could like pivot my thoughts and there's nothing wrong with me, I just, I could choose a thought that made me feel better. Mm-hmm. And once you learn, you can do that. Like that just, that is life changing for me. Wow. Man, that's amazing. And so I, I wonder, and some of the some of the things that you talk to with the kids when you're coaching uh, youth at the at your job, did you find yourself saying the same things to you as an adult? Oh yes, yeah. yes, of course. So, oh man, sorry you got a smoke that. alarm going? My door is cooking. <laughs> this is a a great example. Things you know, you can hit rough waters. You can have challenges, and like we're still here. Like it's all right. Yeah. Just smile right through it. Yeah, just it's life. <laughs> Things make noise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah. So what was the question again? <laughs> no, I, so I think we're talking I, about I, I think, Iris you. Right. When the the things that you said to kids when you were helping them, were you did you find that you were saying those same things oh, to yourself? Yeah. Totally, one hundred percent. And um, yeah, like the same words, words that I have said to so many youth, man, those same words just came right back at me, you know, um, you know, on like the same as, as uh, preaching, you know, the uh, messages that I preached, actually the, the last message that I preached before my mom passed away, uh, one of the things that I said was God cares more about your growth than making you feel good. And that came to me, you know, uh, because that made me focus more on on this moment. Like I saw myself making it to the other side so that I can help others make it to to the other side. Like my vision became so much bigger based off of all the things that I've share it with with other people so yeah most definitely man it came right back at me full force yeah <laughs> yeah and w- one thing i learned as, as an adult was was how how good i can feel even when i'm feeling bad when i think everything just stinks if i help someone else it just changes the focus and i oh i forget that i was feeling horrible because i focused on somebody else exactly so, yeah. and yeah, I was just talking about this last night um, uh, with my brother-in-law. How, you know, uh, to me, that's a form of just us doing what we were created to do. You know, uh, we were uh, created to give love and receive love. When that doesn't happen, to me, I think we malfunction as human beings. You know, um, just like a car when a car does not get the gas that it's supposed to have and you try to put something else in there it will malfunction um you know so i use that example you know to like really just paint the picture of like uh what i believe when it comes to us as human beings like when we just don't give it we malfunction when we don't receive it we malfunction so i think that's that's like one of the things that I've always looked for. I look for ways to just give, give love. How can I share my story? You know, what, what can I post today that's going to encourage me and somebody else that's listening? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah when, when you were telling the story of um, 
your your mom getting the call and the lung transplant and that that joy and thinking like oh wow and and you know to me hearing it and and knowing how it, how what how it ended you know, to me it felt like oh here's a here's a gift of more po- last positive minds like high vibration really good stuff with the family before it ended and I, so i wonder if now looking back how how different is it looking back as to that that anger that was there immediately now, yeah um, that's a good one that's a good question but yeah now looking back i'm super grateful for that experience that god gave us that ex- cuz we we longed for that day to celebrate you know the the phone call is what we call it it's the phone call you know she was on the list for about 3 years and we we longed for that day and now when I look at it, I just see that that guy, God, he gifted that to us. You know, like he gave us that experience. Yeah. You know, I was FaceTiming her. Like I still have the FaceTime because I did it on Marco Polo. I said, mama, I told you, I told you, mama. Because <laughs> I told my mama that she would be healed, healed and uh, she would have, uh, have her, her uh, transplant by November not knowing that she would, you know, be healed on the other side of heaven. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's it's amazing and powerful and to kind of point out especially when it doesn't like fully go the way you intend, but you you and your whole you got what you wanted. You you all got what you were hoping for and praying for and it showed up and it and it just didn't show up and and finish and stick around in in the way that you had had hoped. And exactly. that's, that's, that's what I find it to be the most challenging because it, it's, it's easy in the good times. Oh, I'm a master manifester. And yeah. And my prayers are answered and life is good. And, and it, and that's like, that's always true. Even when that the circumstance doesn't feel good, right. Even when it is a challenge, because you know, the, the one constant in life is change mm. and some changes align with what you want. You're like, yay. And then some changes like, Oh, I didn't want that change, wow. but there's, you know, it's going to change again. And, um, and I, I find in, in the, the bigger picture, the bigger, big scope of it all, all the changes for the better. Yeah. Even when it doesn't feel like it in that moment. Exactly. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, Cause we're, we're, we're not our feelings and our emotions, you know, we're, we're, we're spirit beings, you know, we're, we're spirit, spirit beings living inside of, you know, these dirt bodies. And we experience, you know, different feelings and emotions. And I think, you know, if we like really understood that, you know, we are not our feelings and emotions. We, we are who we are. You know, we are who we are aware. Just being aware of just our own, you know, the the source of our existence, right? Just just being aware of just who we are, man. Like it's really hard for me uh, to like really explain it right now, but it's just just that knowing, man. I know that I'm not my feelings and, and my emotions. Like I really got that, you know. So I don't have to uh, react all the time. Mm. Yeah. So it's it's not you're not slaving to always change your emotional state. It's just whatever is there. Well, I know that's going to pass. And, you know, uh, because, and, and like, I don't think there's, there's good and bad emotions. They're just good. They're emotions that feel better in the moment and other ones that don't, but, but we, yeah. I, I thought we get through them. your willingness to feel it is what gets through it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, like I didn't think I had depression. I thought I was depression. Like I just thought yeah. it was me. That's all I was, and that's all I'll ever be. And this is just pointless. Um, so I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I, because uh, uh, I actually said this last year. I, I uh, told somebody. You know, I actually went live and I said this on 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 a Facebook. I said that I have depression, but depression doesn't have me. So that's the yeah. that's the whole idea from that. Yeah. Cool. I have it. Like it's always present, you know, it just doesn't happen all the time. 
yeah that's I still the, have my moments <laughs> yeah and and yeah. T- tell me if this is true for you so i've i've always felt when i talked about um suicidal thoughts especially someone that's never experienced them that if i find that if you've ever seriously considered ending your life that that thought will always be there and it's like in the back of your mind waiting for weakness waiting for you when you're tired waiting for when you're distracted to show up again like hey, like oh i'm still here i'm still possible right let's go this way mm-hmm. and and it's just but it, it'll always be there and even knowing that even though i tell people that and i've written about that when it happens to me I'm like, no, not again. Oh, I'm, I'm, I should be different. This can't come back for me. And I, you know, but, mm-hmm. and then sometimes it comes back and I just laugh at it. It'll come out like at the silliest time and I can just laugh it off. But, but again, it's mm-hmm. just, it's, it's just a thought. It's just a neuron snapping. It's just a, a thought that's been thought so often it can show up kind of on its own, but yeah, yeah you don't have to listen to it. Don't have to put, put judgment or emotion into it. Right. So has the suicide thoughts have did they ever return for you no good i hope i hope you have a case where it doesn't (laughs) no not no it haven't came back uh to me just um what i can say is my fear of, of dying that's gone you know so you know I'm I'm willing to, you know, put my life on the line now to help people get to the other side, you know, by any necessary. So that's still there. It's like, you know, I um, just like uh, back then, you know, when I lost my mom, um, how with the, you know, within those first, first several months, like I had no care for my life at all, you know. I would drive Uber late at night, you know, purposely just hoping that something bad would happen to me. You know, I'll be driving two, three o'clock in the morning, man. You know, uh, not, not so much in the good parts of Phoenix, (laughs) Phoenix, Arizona. And, um, but that, 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 that same fear that went away, you know, as far as for death is, it's still present, man. It's like there's nothing because I've I've experienced you know such you know hurt and pain that any thing that comes comes my way for me just being bold and vulnerable and just me sharing myself and me just 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 being a stand for humanity, a stand to see people overcome tough times, whether it's in in life, whether it's in relationships with other people, like if if there's anything that comes my way to try to oppose that or, you know, any feelings or thoughts, like it's just it doesn't just it doesn't have its impact on me. So if those thoughts of me giving up, you know, if it ever comes back, you know, I guess I'll just talk about it when it, you know, if it happens. Yeah, it's I don't know. So it, it's more, it's, 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 if it, if it returned, it's like a, a an empty kind of, it, it, there's not the emotional weight on that thought anymore. Right. Is that right? Okay. Right. Cool. Yeah. 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 Cause I gave God my yes again. So, um, I shifted from saying, God, I can't trust you to God. I trust you. I trust you again. You know, and that happened from me just make, making a decision to, you know, first do my part as far as doing what I knew to do, uh, which was last year. I went on top of a mountain for for three and a half days with no technology, no watch, no anything, with like 50 other believers, you know, male believers. And, and we were on that mountain for... for for three and a half days praying together. We worship God together. We we studied the Bible together. We shared our stories together. And for three and a half days. And that was the moment when I told God that you have my yes again. So that's the place that I'm at now, man. It's like God, God has my yes. He has showed me how faithful he is. You know, even... When I was unfaithful, even when uh, when I was driving Uber at night and I was yelling at him, you know, in between my rides, like, I can't trust you. 
I can't trust you no more. And, and, and a crying and a sobbing and just, you know, wishing that he would not give me any peace. Don't give me a peace. I don't want any strength. I just want my mama back. You know, after going through all that, knowing that he was still with me, he was still, you know, touching people's hearts to reach out to me. He was still giving me ideas to do to to uh, help help me get to the other side. Like he he never turned his back on me. So I'm at the place now. It's like I I'm definitely not not going to entertain that thought ever again. You know, and my children as well, and the gift that I have with my children, you know, the experience that I've had from just allowing my children to comfort me during my worst moment in life. You know, the day that I told my children that granny is gone, you know, right here in my living room, my children, they all hovered over me and they all consoled me like little angels. So I, you know, um, that experience alone, man. No, I can't entertain that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, the power, the connection, the beauty of being vulnerable. Yes. Like you, you could have been like too many men are and, oh, my mom died and go hide in the closet or go drink and, and not share how you're feeling, not, not allow that connection with your own children to, to help you get through that pain. Right. So you, now you, I did do that. Okay. Yeah, I did do that. So I hid in the closet, okay. you know, like before I opened up, you know, of my children, they never seen daddy cry. Yeah. My wife, she never seen me cry. Like it took her nine years just, just to see me cry. Cause like I said before, I was this person that was just not vulnerable. Like you just wouldn't see me, you know, open up and I would deal with it on my own. So, so before I chose to just be, you know, vulnerable with my family, I had different moments when I would sneak away and go inside the uh, closet. Man, I'm, I'm getting emotional now just thinking about it. Go inside the closet and you know turn the light off and just bang my head up against the wall, just 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 hoping that the that the pain could just ease ease up and you know uh, wrapping a belt around my neck trying to squeeze it just to ease the pain just a little bit. And I did that. And that just, if I would have continued, that just would not have worked for me. Yeah. So what did ease the pain was taking the risk of perhaps feeling more pain and talking to your family. Yes, sir. Yeah. So right. So right, man. And that was, yeah, that saved my life, man. Being being vulnerable, and uh, uh, one of the statements that came to me, you know, after I chose to be vulnerable, and was now you know what it feels like to be human again, and to be human to to allow myself to experience the entire human experience. It it was it's freedom, man. It's freedom. Not having to, you know, hide, you know, my emotions and just and just allow myself to be okay with not being okay. And yeah, it's 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 freeing, man. Yeah. So much yeah. freedom. You know, it, it, emotions aren't mistakes. Right. Exactly. You know, that's the, and I think a lot of guys, we get, we get, we get sold this bill of goods that, you know, some, some emotions are okay, but not all of them. And some emotions are for women and not for men. And if you're a man, you can be angry and you can cry when your dad dies. Like that's like two things you get to do. And like, no, exactly. it, it, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. Or exactly. you can, you can try to force it to work like that, but it doesn't, it sure doesn't feel good. It's a gift, man. Yeah. Right. You know it's a gift given to us as human beings. You know, we have this gift to release. And I used used to tell my 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 the uh, youth that I work with this the same thing. You know, I used to tell them that we, we were not even made physically to to hold things in. I used to tell them that uh, when you got to go to the bathroom. Do you hold it in? 
And be like, no, you have to release like your your physical makeup is not even made to just hold junk in. So just imagine if you had to use the bathroom and you held it in for days, you would literally die. Yeah. Yeah. That's or good. it or it would come out in a wrong place. Right. So it's the same thing with our emotions. Like we were not even made to hold them in. So <laughs> even beyond that, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, like we yeah. every at every level, we take things in and we put them out. We can't it can't just be one or the other. We, exactly. You can't, you can't only give. You can't only receive. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That's cool. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> the human so, system program. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's by design at every level. That's our design. Yeah. We take yeah. it in. We give it back out. <laughs> yeah. Don't go against the design. <laughs> no. Well, that yeah, that's where pain, disease, stress, you know, all that, the dark, the dark night of the soul, that, that all right. comes from trying to shut, shut that flow down. So mm-hmm. true. Cool. So with, with all the personal development, um, is there a particular uh, a practice, a program, a book, anything that you want to, you would wish more people knew about? The Bible. The Bible, like, you know, a lot of people have their... Uh, uh, different thoughts about it. Um, but I know that it works. You know, the book of Ecclesiastes h- helped me a lot during my tough time. Uh, uh, the book of Proverbs and the book of Psalms. Psalms, the 13th chapter, helped me a lot to, to, to be okay with having different thoughts and emotions. You know, uh, read. Uh, reading about King King David, how he experienced depression, and and, uh, and what he did to deal with it, you know, that helped me a lot. And just, I I think that's the key thing. And from like all the uh, different uh, motivational videos that I've read or um, 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 that I watched, all the uh, different leadership workshops that I've been through, like every principle that they've shared, whether it's in a book or, you know, at a workshop or a training, every principle that they shared, I can find it in, in the Bible. Cool. Yeah. The, I, I don't, I don't talk about God often on this show or even in any, any daily conversations of mine. But mm-hmm. one thing that what, what amazes me the most is no matter how often I've turned my back on God, God never turns his back on me. And it sounds like that was your experience too. Exactly. Yeah. 100%. Um, Just like my own children, you know, no matter what they do, they cannot get daddy to to, to just give up on them. It's not going to happen. So how much more, you know, the the creator of dads, <laughs> you know, how much more is he faithful to us? So, yeah. Cool. So during this uh, rather chaotic time with, with so much uncertainty facing everybody, um, Lawrence, what are you looking forward to? Hmm. It's a good question. I am. Uh, let's start with the household first. I, I am looking forward to, creating a different routine you know i'm 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 looking forward to rising to the challenge of creating a new a brand new routine for my family as far as you know doing the virtual learning you know uh having school from home with six children that's a challenge all by itself so i'm looking forward to to overcome you know, this challenge. I'm looking forward to uh, creating a lifestyle for our family that uh, we used to dream about, you know, um, um, because of everything that's going on, we're, we're now being pushed into a lifestyle that we used to just talk about, which is being a traveling family. I started entertaining the idea of like us, like actually purchasing a big RV and, and like, being able to live life on a road together as a family and still 
you know, teach and educate our children at the same time. Like I'm starting to entertain these these thoughts that used to just be, you know, like passive conversations. Like it's now now it's like, well, wait a minute, we we can actually do this. So I'm looking forward to that. As far as my my household, I'm looking forward to just being able to make an impact in so many lives. I'm talking about with people that I would never meet. I'm looking forward to being able to do everything that that I believe God put in my heart to do while I'm here before I get a chance to see my mommy again, right? So, so I'm just looking forward to dying empty, um, just like Dr. Miles Monroe, uh, which is uh, somebody I recommend for for anybody to just watch his material, read his books. Dr. Miles Monroe changed my life. And I'm just looking forward to being a, a, a speaker on different platforms. I'm looking forward uh, to being a mindset coach for 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 different people and just you know, helping people discover their own God-given ability so that they can uh, live a life fulfilled and and, uh, healed, you know. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I'm just looking forward to all of that, man. Big time. Cool. Um, Bunch of family time, though. Bunch of family time. Well, I think, yeah, living in an RV with six kids, I think there'll be a lot of family time there. Yeah, man. (laughs) (laughs) And um, what's the best way for people to to connect with you, track you down, find out what you're up to? The best way is to follow me on Instagram, which is I am Mr. Optimistic One. I am Mr. Optimistic One. Um, uh, so Instagram and my 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 website link is actually in my uh, profile for that as well. And just just follow me. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook as well. Uh, Lawrence Washington Jr. I post a lot of, you know, like authentic content, encouraging content. Um, but my Facebook family, they pretty much get like first dibs on everything. <laughs> you know, <laughs> cool. they get the lives, they get, you know, they just get to see more of me. Yeah. yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of reasons to leave Facebook, but getting more Lawrence, that's a reason to, to get back on Facebook and, and be active there, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, cool. I appreciate that. Awesome. Um, I, I just want to thank you for, you know, your, your time today, but but everything you're you're doing until today and, and after today, just all, all of your plans, all of your goals, all of the... Hmm, all the all the love for life that that is in you and that you share, um, yeah. you you just try it's it, hope. You just scream hope to me, wow. and you make me hopeful of for more people and society and families and just everything. And um, I just yeah, I wanted to remember and and really say say that to you. And and so thank you for your time and thank you for your hope. Wow, thank you so much, Andy. Man, I I really appreciate you being the person that you are, man. I appreciate you just allowing me to be on this platform with you. Like, like I said before, I am a a man of gratitude. So I don't take things like this lightly at all. So I really appreciate you for that. And I also want to share a quote from my mom too, um, before we end it. Uh, Because I talked to my mom one week before she passed away, not knowing that she was going to pass away. But we had a conversation and I told her that I was going to make sure that everybody knew her name. And her name is Donna Washington. And one quote that she's known by is, is a quote about love. She will always say, love wasn't put into your heart to stay. Love is in love until you start to give it away. Beautiful. Yeah. And uh, a perfect summation of what we were dancing around the bush earlier to, to, to say <laughs> so that got it perfectly. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, so again, thank you, Lawrence. Thanks for everyone listening, wherever you are discovering that real men feel, please give us some love, give us a, a rating, review, a share, uh, a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Visit realmenfeel.org. Check us out on Facebook. 
Instagram, Twitter. Give us feedback. Uh, tell, suggest a guest you want to hear from. Suggest yourself to be a guest. That's cool, too. Right? Uh, and until next time, and always, and each other, be good to yourselves. Thank you for listening to Real Men Feel. Contact us at realmenfeel at gmail.com. Join the private Real Men Feel Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash realmenfeel. Learn more about author, coach, and healer Andy Grant at theandygrant.com. If you enjoyed this episode, it would help us greatly if you gave a review wherever you are listening right now. It takes less than a minute and helps other people discover Real Men Feel. If you would like a one-on-one -on -one conversation with me, Andy Grant, not a podcast, but an actual conversation to help you get clear on what you want in life and what's in your way of getting there, visit theandygrant.com slash talk and book a no-obligation and no-cost appointment with me.